Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Recording a podcast, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's looking forward to the podcast. Everybody's working for the weekend. Hey, welcome to Think Outside the Box Set. It's a podcast for artists that may be misunderstood. Uh, sorry, miss... Fuck. <clears throat> Hinder! Keep going. We'll artists that may be misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed. All those miasmas. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hi. Welcome you were saying. to Think Outside the Box Set, everyone. I'm Nathan Hunt. And that uh, lovely chanteuse you just heard is... It's Cameron DeWitt. It's me. Yay. First, it was Dolly Parton. Then it was Whitney Houston. And then finally, it's a logical con- conclusion, po- uh, podcaster and old-time musician, Cameron DeWitt. Well, of course. Yeah. This, this is our third little palate cleanser before we jump into Bob Marley. Bob Marley. And we, what did we listen to, Nathan? Well, and why? Cameron, explain yourself. I pitched this idea. I said, hey, Cameron, you know what we should talk about and listen to, I guess, is the soundtrack to the movie The Bodyguard, because this is the fifth best selling album of all time, forever and ever, amen, which is crazy. Um, right. Because you can't name a single song off of it except for and i will i will always love you whitney houston's mm-hmm. cover of the dolly parton song the movie <laughs> was panned apparently was not good uh it i guess it made like pretty pretty decent box office from what wikipedia says but it was nowhere near as successful as just the album um yeah. yeah so i was like wait what the fuck is going on with this album that sold so many goddamn copies and i was like yeah let's check that out it's the first soundtrack that we've listened to and yeah I was like, it's it's sort of like a microcosm of our garth brooks season mm-hmm. you know he's like the best-selling recording artist or second second best-selling recording artist in the states but we didn't know anything about him mm-hmm. um and yeah, it's like, how how come this album sold so well? It is funny, you know, because, like, saying that an album is best-selling is a little bit anachronistic these days. Right. You know, it doesn't yeah. hold as much weight. But at the time, it was not. And it's still very new to, like, you know, have most people experience culture through streaming services. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, so. of, the, of the top ten, it's by far the newest the the mo- mm-hmm. or no sorry Shania Twain's "Come On Over" from 1997 is uh, oh really yeah um, and Wikipedia actually has two columns here claimed sales by which this album sold 45 million copies and then total certified copies by which it sold 28.4 million copies yeah how about you read that uh, t- top ten for us give us some perspective yeah it seems to be ranked by claimed sales because if it were ranked by total certified copies this album would actually be number four I think so number one oh, Michael Jackson thriller number two Eagles their greatest hits from 97 uh, 1971 and 1975 Ugh. I know right ACDC back in black is number three then Pink Floyd dark side of the moon 
then it's whitney houston and various yeah. artists with the bodyguard so yeah this is like by this by far outsold whitney houston's own albums um meatloaf mm. is next with bat out of hell then eagles hotel california more eagles ugh. uh bgs and other various artists with saturday night fever soundtrack there are two soundtracks in the top 10 whoa yeah, yeah. then there's uh rumors by fleetwood mac and come on over by shania twain gotcha yeah hmm. so cameron is uh does this album deserve to sell have sold 45 million copies uh <laughs> man uh what a depressing question to ask a professional musician <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> Okay, um, so to put it in, in do, let, let's fra- frame it a different way. Does this album belong on that list I just told you? I mean, I don't, I don't really understand most, like why most of <laughs> it. Just makes me feel so lonely hearing you <laughs> read that list. Yeah, <laughs> it just makes me feel so a- isolated and alien from the rest of culture and society and like what people want and expect and. Uh, I just don't, and what they're willing to spend their money on, I just don't, I don't get it. Uh, so no, I guess. Um, I don't know if anything should be that widely (laughs) accepted, and I don't understand why this is the thing that is. Um, Mm -hmm. you, I would have assumed that Beatles would be up there. Yeah. Uh, Rolling Stones, uh, like some of the earlier acts, like all of these are from nine the earliest one is 1973 you would think like yeah beatles yeah. rolling stones any of those like uh beach boys any of those like uh really sure. high- elvis you know yeah you think they would be on here and i would kind of i would kind of understand like that but i guess the beatles are pretty good yeah uh, especially some of their albums yep are re- i mean like uh abbey road is incredible Mm-hmm. And it's an album all written by, I mean, maybe that's the thing holding it back. It's that it's written by the band and like the Whitney Houston's uh, bodyguard soundtrack is, it's just a team of people writing songs for her. It's like a, it, it's, it's, it's all industry. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think we should, we just like um, confront the elephant in the room. <laughs> Um, I don't think this album would have sold 1 million copies if it weren't for the song I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Well, not by her. Her version of it. Uh, it's a cover of Dolly Parton who wrote the song. Yes. Which, uh, as a side note, I'm sure Dolly Parton's got to be fabulously wealthy for having a oh writing credit on the fifth selling album of all time. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I Will Always Love You. Um... This is a completely ubiquitous song. I feel like everyone knows this song. Mm-hmm. Um, it everyone, or at least everyone knows, and I like the, the Whitney Houston's like the way she sings "Hand Eye," um, yep. <laughs> hand eye coordination, and like yes. her specific <laughs> her specific runs, like when she goes. Ooh, because like Dolly doesn't sing that. No one sings it like no. Dolly. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> sings it like Whitney. Yeah. And like Whitney's one of the few people who don't annoy me when they go crazy overboard with all those melismas. 
Yeah, it is pretty incredible to listen to, you know, like after listening to a season of T-Pain, um, mm-hmm. who I think can do it without an auto-tune, but we didn't really get to hear that for the most part. Right. But uh, I think most people don't understand that the voice is an instrument that can you can develop skill at singing like you can on an instrument. Um you know, I think people like to fetishize the voice as being this thing that's a raw talent mm-hmm. um, that has to do with more with personality than with um, skill or dedication. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and I think there's an element there, you know, because it is a a very purely physical instrument. Like you don't have another thing that you're manipulating to make it, mm-hmm. and you you only have so much control over how your body works. Um, So there's an element of that. Uh, But you can develop the voice like any other instrument. And part of that is the ability to quickly ascend and descend notes uh, and to stay on pitch for each of those notes in fast runs. Um, right. And yeah. and to ornament your voice like that is really, really difficult to do quickly. Um, yeah, and, to, like, to get the notes in tune for each of the notes as you go around. I mean, it's not it's yeah. not like you're on a guitar just wailing and noodling. Right. But she's singing like she's like playing frets. You know, she's like perfectly hitting these pitches. But, you know. She's playing a, fret, a profoundly fretless instrument. <laughs> <laughs> well, that depend. That all depends on your personality and how uh, how much anxiety you have. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh, 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 okay, okay. I, I was hoping it was more clever than that, but whatever. All right, don't fret, Cameron. Don't fret. Um, yeah, this is just such an odd album because it it's half of a Whitney Houston album, the first half. And then it's just yeah. like a bunch of random, just kind of generic songs that aren't very good. Kenny G. <laughs> yeah, Kenny G's on here with Aaron Neville. Um, a bunch of people I've never heard of. And then yeah. there's Joe Cocker for some reason. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yep. th- this album is, is very much uh, one of the last gasps of the cocaine 90s before uh, everything just became uh, heroin grunge 90s. Now, what do you mean by cocaine 90s? Oh, this album sounds like cocaine to me. <laughs> cocaine and <laughs> shitty early 90s synthesizers and so many chimes. If I were to describe this as a musical genre, I would say chimes core. There are so now, many when chimes. You say, when you say chimes, you don't mean like orchestral chimes like, like you would hear in, let's say, uh, the Futurama theme song. No, um, no, you're no. You're referring to like a bell tree. The... The like pretty yeah. tinkly like li- like little metal bell tree. I believe it's called a bell tree. Let me look it up. Chimes. Uh, I don't think it's called a bell tree. I looked up bell tree and it's something else. Yeah, a lot of people are calling this chimes. Interesting. Here we go. Are you hearing that? That's what I mean. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah beltry something else yeah yeah i guess people call that chimes mm-hmm. um yeah it it those are often seen as um uh what's the right word uh o- overindulgent uh mm-hmm. 
uh, auxiliary percussion. I think because they are arrhythmic for the most part, mm-hmm. um, and they're just sort of atmospheric, and they just sound a little bit too pretty. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I ever hear them, and I'm like, oh, I'm glad that that's in this song. Uh, listeners, write in. If you, have a, <laughs> if you have a great chimes moment in a song, I would love to know. I'm actually very interested. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, what I am song too, is made better by chimes? Yeah. Now I'm just like, I guess bar chimes, also known as a chime tree or a mark tree, I guess is, is what is mm. technically called on the Wikipedia. Um, and he invent, it was invented in 1967? What? That's crazy. That's crazy. That's, that can't be true. I don't know. But yeah, there's there's so much of it on this album. And yeah, it's it's uh, a lot of it is just very... I mean, speaking of soft rock, um, it's very just like soft and schmaltzy, um, lots of saxophone. It's like gospel-inflected pop, um, I guess... Whitney Houston's kind of R&B for what R&B meant in 1992. Hey. <laughs> we, well, you'll hear more discussion about what the, uh, the uh, genre name R&B means next week. Yes, that's right. Yeah. We recorded these out of order. Hell yeah. Whoa. So cool. Uh, no, um, uh, that's not what I mean. I'm, what I mean to say is we're fucking time travelers, y'all. <laughs> We went forward and we heard next week's episode and we're like, oh, we should reference that now. Time traveling podcasters. Another first for Think Outside the Box set. Yeah. It's breaking all the, breaking all the rules uh, and breaking all you, the records. If you join the Patreon, uh, you can, at different tiers, we'll murder different uh, dictators throughout <laughs> history. <laughs> Yeah, we got Joseph Stalin, we got Pol Pot, we got, uh, I mean, you got to give us some big bucks if you want us to knock that. Yeah, those are our stretch goals. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, Hitler is like the so big one. So check those out. You have to give us like 10 grand for us to kill Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. Smash the like and subscribe, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Smash that give us money button. Because uh, what we're doing right now is, is definitely worth money. Um. Yep. The Bodyguard soundtrack. Yeah, I... Yeah, so the first half is all Whitney Houston. It's basically just a Whitney Houston EP. And I mm-hmm. am really curious if anyone... Not only if anyone ever put on Side B more than once, ever. I am also really curious if every anyone like ever listened past the first song. Because it's just like... Yeah. It's baffling to me how successful this album is. I mean, I get that one song on it was very successful. But why did the album sell so good? Why didn't people just buy, like, the single, you know? Yeah. I like the first three songs pretty well. Yeah. You know, Kevin Costner says that it was his idea to do it, I Will Always Love You. Yeah, it was supposed to be a different... uh, What Becomes of the Brokenhearted was going to be the song. And it it was used for a different movie, Fried Green Tomatoes. And then Whitney Houston was like, oh, I want a different song. I don't want to do the same one as this other movie. And Have you seen Fried Green Tomatoes? No. Is it good? Yeah, they eat a man in it. Spoiler alert. What? They're, they're man-eaters, those ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Feminists are taking over. They're eating the men. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really what it's about? I thought I thought it was like some sort of uh, Southern, like, uh, a female empowerment movie. It is. Yeah, and they eat a man. In what? Well, they don't eat him, but they kill him, they cook him, and then they feed him. At a, uh, they serve him at a restaurant. What? That's insane. It's, <laughs> It's strongly 
implied. What? Uh, that's even crazier than uh, 9 to 5. Speaking of Dolly Parton. 9 to 5? The movie, 9 to 5. I don't know that Oh, movie. you don't? Do you know the song? No. Oh, hang on. Well, we're about to take <laughs> Play a the whole trip. thing real quick. We're just going to play the entire whole thing. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks slaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, music slaps, I want to say. Folks like me on the job from 9 to 5. Working 9 to 5. What a way to make a living. Barely getting by. It's all taken and no giving. They just use your mind and they never give you credit. It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it. 9 to 5. For service and devotion. Cameron, I don't know if you could hear that very uh, well over how awesome Skype is, but that song fucking slaps. It's so good. Uh, I have such a huge crush on Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah, me too. She's she's so cool. I, <laughs> she's so awesome. She's, yeah, she really is. I got to listen to more Dolly. Oh, man. They were um, they were doing on uh, Punch Up the Jam, they were doing the song Jolene, and they couldn't, couldn't stop talking about great. how great that song is. Yeah. I'm sure they made it better. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, she has so many albums, Cameron. Wow, 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 wow. Let's cover her next. 19 from all the way from 1967 to 2017, 2018. What? Wow. Yeah, why are we talking about this dumb movie soundtrack and not Dolly Parton? Is it cuz she has 63 studio albums, Cameron? Well, 63 that, that, that's uh that's if you count the collaboration ones including uh with emmy lou harris linda ronstadt can... tammy Wynette, kenny rogers i don't it's... think we could buy it all chew all that i mean it's only 46 solo studio albums cameron we could do that it's just ah, like a year a year yeah. of dolly 2020 the year of dolly <laughs> anyway um so jolene jolene yeah she has... jolene <laughs> She has like such a such a interesting vibrato in that song. Uh, she's like the sexiest goat I've ever heard. <laughs> Do you mean the greatest of all time or like the actual yes. animal? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> now, what does uh, sexiest stand for? Sexiest, <laughs> extreme, extreme, uh, intelligent. Uh... <laughs> the first extreme was with an E. The second was with an X, by the way. Uh, all right <laughs> <laughs> are we just stalling because we don't have much to say yeah. about the songs because i don't it's true it's okay very lightweight it's like it's like muzak that just happens to have uh muzak level lyrics on it too <laughs> yeah i don't it. have uh notes or sound samples for most of these songs but i could definitely talk about the first three i uh i was i was debating whether I should pitch to you that we just don't even talk about I Will Always Love You because it's like the only reason anyone bought this album. I was like, let's just not talk about it and like not even mention it and just talk about the rest. Whoops, it's the only thing to talk <laughs> it's about. It's the only actually. thing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing I didn't pitch that because that's a bit that would not have aged well. And by that, I mean, would not have lasted more than three seconds. Uh, although Whitney Houston yeah. does have a... a, a odd version of jesus loves me on this soundtrack yeah doesn't garth brooks also have a jesus loves me uh, in a christmas album i don't know maybe probably 
We should do a, a palate cleanser episode that's just all versions of Jesus loves me. Uh, I can't. Cameron, I can't. Uh, it's pretty triggering. <laughs> Hear that song. Yeah. Her version's pretty good because it has some great gospel reharmonizations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely better than Garth Brooks' version. Yep. But it's still the song Jesus Love Me. Yeah. Which is just a, a dogma and song. And it does not slap. On the Dogma soundtrack. <laughs> Alana sings now, it. Why didn't they have Whitney Houston's uh, Jesus Loves Me on the Dogma soundtrack? Huh? huh? Answer me that. Um, oh, I don't know if I don't know if we talked With about... your science. <laughs> I don't know if we talked about the movie at all. The movie has Whitney Houston in it as, uh, oh, as yeah. one of the main characters. I haven't seen it, and I know almost nothing yeah. about it. Um, I, looked, I looked it up. I haven't seen it either, but basically Kevin Costner is a former um, secret service agent and he somehow gets a job being a bodyguard for Whitney Houston's character who is a pop star mm-hmm. um, with a lot of dangerously obsessed fans. Ah, is that um, and I think there's specifically like someone trying to murder her. Okay. So he's her bodyguard and they fuck. <laughs> And she was his long lost pal. Um, yeah, it's uh-huh. so when I, I, I had heard of this movie, I had no direct knowledge of it or anything of what it was about. I just like heard at one point years ago that it was a movie starring Whitney Houston and it had her famous song in it. I was like, Oh, it's starring Whitney Houston. It's called the bodyguard. I guess she must be a bodyguard. <laughs> I had like no idea that Kevin Costner was in it. Hey, or, why not? <laughs> it's like, Hey, it's, you know, it's it's 2002. Women can be bodyguards these days. <laughs> Wait, no, it's 1992. Right, but I, I heard about it. At, at the yeah. time, okay. I, I also did not know when it came out. <laughs> I was dumb. No, it's, it's, it's very much the opposite. Like, the cover of the movie is uh, her just sort of all snuggled into Kevin Costner's neck as he's, like, carrying her away. Apparently, that's uh, actually her danger. body double in the poster yeah oh, really that's oh. what kevin costner says all right yeah it's strange yep strange thing that they just like talk about and doesn't really matter at all yeah. is the movie about him or is it about whitney houston should it have been called the bodyguard e <laughs> the bodyguard dead <laughs> the body guarded <laughs> the body that's guarded the person in the body that's guarded. The guarded body starring whitney houston <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds like a prestige drama that could win some Academy Awards. Starring Whitney Houston as the body of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, should we uh, talk? Do we go right into I Will Always Love You? Or should we save that? Uh, let's save it okay. for the end. Let's talk about the other yeah. stuff. We've been ta- we've already been talking about it for a really long time. Let's talk about I Have Nothing so I can theory explain. Okay. This passion inside can't run from Jesus fucking Christ, Whitney Houston is such a good singer. Oh, nobody yeah. nobody sings uh, like that. She's nobody sings good. like that anymore. Even if they are like are good and sing well, they don't sing loud like that you can tell she's getting like 
ass loads of volume out of her voice. It's crazy. <laughs> what? What, Cameron? What? What? <laughs> yeah, she's very loud. <laughs> it's, it's very inspiring and moving. Um, I I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> you wouldn't have dared to say it better yourself. This is a funny song. Um, like, haha, funny? Because, like, yeah. <laughs> or more like, cock your head to the side funny. Because um, mm. I really like the first verse. Share my life. Take me for what I am. Because I'll never change all my colors Not for all you. Of them. That's, that's an interesting thing to say. It is an interesting thing to like, throw all my colors instead of just the, you know, you would expect someone to write, because I'll never change my colors for you. But to have... I think it's realistic. I'm going to change a little bit, but I'm not going to fundamentally yeah, change. Yeah, I, I like that. That's yeah. that's realistic, and it's a good way of yeah. stating that, I think. Yeah. Take my love. I'll never ask for too much. Just all that you are and everything that you do. Okay, <laughs> that's not so that's too much. like a, a little joke. It's a joke. <laughs> I hope so. But uh, I hope they it's mean that sweet. as kind of a joke. Um, but then the pre-chorus is a little strange. Uh, I don't really need to look very much further. I don't want to have to go where you don't follow. It's hmm. just, it comes across as lazy. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> or a little bit settling. Uh, I won't hold it back again. This passion inside can't run for myself. There's nowhere to hide. Uh, and the chorus is, but don't make me close one more door. I don't want to hurt anymore. Uh, I have nothing, nothing, nothing. If I don't have you, 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 you. Oh, you skipped a bunch of lines. Um, so stay in my arms if you dare. Well, or I'd... must I imagine you there if you dare? Well, I I skipped them because they didn't seem to have a lot of substance. Oh, I kind of think daring somebody to stay in your arms is kind of an interesting line. Don't walk away from me. Uh, I have nothing. Yeah, it's, va- it's vaguely threatening. <laughs> <laughs> stay in my arms if you dare, because I'm going to constrict you like a boa <laughs> gonna squeeze the life out of you baby kevin are you into snake play <laughs> i'm gonna get down on the floor and wriggle all around a little mouse <laughs> <laughs> um one time i went to a uh, bible science camp uh long story oh, which boy. i will not that's a great explain. that's a great combination um, of words bible science camp <laughs> But uh, part of it is I got to watch a snake uh, constrict a mouse and eat it. Yeah, that's Bible. That's Bible for (laughs) you. Yeah, Bible's always talking about snakes eating mice. Uh, Yeah, it was pretty gross and pretty upsetting. And um, the (laughs) the snake uh, squeezed the mouse so hard that it pooped. (laughs) The snake pooped or the mouse pooped? Or maybe it just pooped. (laughs) (laughs) Because based on what you said, grammatically, it could be either one. (laughs) Or did they both poop? The antecedent was implied. (laughs) (laughs) They squeezed each other so hard, they both pooped. Uh, And then we also dissected sheep eyeballs, and I couldn't couldn't get in, and uh, I like like stabbed it oh, no. and then it like squirted uh, fluid at me. Uh, this is extremely upsetting for me. Yeah. Oh boy. I had to um dissect a fetal pig and a frog in my life science class, which may as well have uh, been fetal pig. Yeah, it may as well have been labeled a uh Bible 
science class. Um, and I don't really, don't really know what the point of dissecting those things were, but mostly I just, uh, got my lab partner to do it all. <laughs> Cause I, wait, was this a church? No, Fox? this was like in middle school days. Um, I, yeah, I was like so squeamish. I basically refused to touch it, but still the smell of formaldehyde like permeated me forever. Yeah. Uh, and it's still there to this day. <laughs> Uh huh. Yeah, listeners, if you ever meet me in person, you can uh, know that I'm coming by the strong scent of formaldehyde wafting down the hall. You're like, oh, here comes Nathan. <laughs> you don't even have to know what I look like. Standing his soul. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you see through right to the heart of me. You break down my walls with the strength of your love. I never knew love like I've known it with you. Will a memory survive one I can hold on to? These are these are cocaine it's lyrics. Really- this is what i'm talking about yeah they're just like they're very general they seem to be heartfelt they're sung in a heartfelt way uh they seem to have some sort of meaning for the people who wrote them i guess but they're just like so generic and vague you know yeah i i've often had this thought that some of my favorite songs are from some of the most unconventional singers Mm -hmm. because there's something about singing something really well that I think kind of distracts from the content of the lyrics. Oh, that's an interesting thing to say. Um, it's kind of like you can't have both sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, Dolly Parton is a pretty amazing songwriter, and she has an amazing voice, don't get me wrong, but her voice is uh, bonkers. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's the weirdest voice I've ever heard. She's the greatest of <laughs> She's all time. She's extremely skilled. But it's like, it doesn't, I feel like her voice accentuates the lyrics um, as opposed to distracting from the lyrics. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel the same. I mean, not to beat a dead goat, but the mountain goats. um, It's a lot of goat talk. I feel the same way about. Cameron, are you trying to say that you you uh, are interested in trying some goat play? That's that goat talk. Goat (laughs) talk. Uh, (laughs) Call back to T-Pain. Yep. John Darnell sings in a really bizarre way as well. And I feel like it really pulls attention to, to the lyrics. And you know who else does? Weird Al Yankovic. I thought it's pronounced Yankovic. Mm, you're probably right. I, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that's what I have heard him uh, introduced as. Um, yeah, so wait, you're saying that Weird Al has an unusual voice and it helps not distract from the lyrics of that he's singing? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I feel like the I feel like the way he sings accentuates the lyrics uh, as opposed to distracting. He from does the lyrics. pronounce things very clearly. He he very much you can tell that he wants you to understand the words, even for the kinds of people who who listen to a song and don't really listen for the words. He wants you to hear them. I've often felt this way about um, there, there. There's a bunch of kind of chamber folk and genericana bands in the early teens um early 2010s like uh well i mean mumford and sons like i don't think a lot of people really listen to their words just because they're like fairly affected mm-hmm. um and uh, their favorite part anyway is just when they go oh whoa 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 <laughs> um and there's like random <laughs> claps over there? random claps and snaps and stuff <laughs> I thought you were doing a slow clap for my oh <laughs> for my whoa okay. break. <laughs> I was trying to do the lumineers. Oh, I, I should have been saying hey ho hey ho, and and then someone strums and a then, ukulele. Uh, 
That's folk music. <laughs> uh, the band Horse Feathers, uh, I feel like he sings so affected in, in such this like kind of sexy way that I feel like it really distracts from what he's singing. I feel kind of similarly about Bon Iver and Iron and Wine. Oh, man. Um, I tried to listen to some more Iron about... and Wine recently. The um, Our Endless Numbers Days, Days album that I used to listen to all the time. And I was like, oh, my God, this album's yeah. so boring. <laughs> I was so bored by it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would really like those lyrics. I think a lot of those Iron and Wine lyrics, especially if um, if there's more melodic variation, it didn't just sound like it was made with a loop pedal. Right. And if uh, the singing was less sexy. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Should I talk about theory yeah, for a little bit? Yeah, theory explain it to me and us. All right, so this song has a really interesting harmonic structure. Uh, the verses are in G, and the choruses are in B flat um, major. Yeah, that's what the genius uh, actually or said. Interestingly enough, you could you could hear them as G minor instead, the relative minor mm-hmm. of of B flat. So essentially, it goes from G major to the notes of G minor, which is a really interesting, uh, uh, really interesting way to change keys. Um, so from the verse to the chorus, it goes from a D major chord, which is the five chord. So you expect next to be the one chord. Mm-hmm. The five goes to the one. That's sort of the, the big musical rule that everyone loves to break. Um, so you think it's going to go back to a G chord, but instead it goes to a the four chord of B flat mm. major. It goes to an E flat chord. So it goes from D up to E flat, and then it works its way around to B flat, but it takes a while. So it, uh, yeah, it's a pretty neat effect. Do you want to play that yeah. sample? That's a D. That's E flat. And then it resolves here to G minor. So I think that sounds really yeah, cool. It's certainly like surprising. And it makes me enjoy the drama of this song. Yeah. It definitely makes the song more dramatic. Uh, and the genius doesn't say this, but uh, it goes back to the key of G after the end of the chorus. Um, and it basically just does the same transition in reverse. Um, it goes from the E flat chord down to the D chord, which resolves back to G. Um, back to yeah, you all yes. play that. There's the E flat, and there's the D. <laughs> and there's a G. Yeah. Man, those synth horns. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, I That one is a little more of a precedented kind of progression. Um the E flat, D, G. Um or I think it's actually E flat 7. Uh let's see. To D7 to G. That's a really precedented um chord progression. Um in classical theory, it would be called the German augmented six chord. Um, and then that goes down to an authentic, uh, a dominant cadence. Um, but uh, so, yeah, 
the transition back to the verse is a little bit more precedented, mm -hmm. but uh, it I think it's a lot more interesting when it goes from G to B flat. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the last key change, it's a take it up key change, which is a recurring character on the show mm -hmm. when we make fun of songs for using uh, a take it up key change, meaning it goes up a whole step. Um, it's an old musical cliche, basically like if you're, in the key of G, you know, you'll go to the five chord, the D chord, and then um, maybe instead of resolving back to G, you'll go up to the E chord, which is the five chord of the A chord, and then you'll resolve to A um, or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but this song only goes up a half step. It goes from B flat to the key of B, mm. um, which, and the transition is really, really strange. You think that it's going to go up like this, da, 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 but it goes da, 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 da. Uh, you think it's going to go from this chord da, 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 and resolve, but it goes da, 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 da. Wow. <laughs> it's like a, it takes a, <laughs> a whole, a whole step and a half step jump to the last note. And it's really abrupt. And I think a pretty effective way. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's take a listen. I have nothing, nothing, nothing Here it is. Here's a jump. Yeah. That's a half step higher than you think it's going to go. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's I think it's pretty jump. cool. Yeah. I'm pretty into this song for that reason. I think it earns the the drama of the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, the the vague Which can't be said for drama. most of the rest of the song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, man, Whitney has such a good voice, and she sings so good. But the all of the instrumentation on her songs is so cheesy. <laughs> it's got so much like bad synth and like just uh, not very good late eighties, early nineties production. I, you know, I hmm. I liked some of it pretty well. I think it's I think it's a pretty subjective. You know, it's like, what is bad, bad synth? Because you could use it in a cool way. It just feels cliched, right? Yeah, it feels cliched. And it doesn't feel like, like when they do a synth horn, it doesn't feel like they're doing it intentionally for that sound. It feels like they were too lazy to hire an actual horn player. And so they're right. just like, oh, we'll just play it on the keyboard. I'll be fine. It's well, I have, I have one more sample from this song that has a really cool rhythm guitar drop i think it's when it goes into the second verse mm -hmm. and then there's a really neat uh horn part that comes in gotcha maybe it's in the pre-chorus mm -hmm. here's a guitar coming up I don't really need to look that muted guitar much i don't want to have to go where you don't follow i won't hold it back again i like those horns i think that sounds cool yeah. I guess so. They would sound better if they were real horns, though. All right. Um, as a side note, I've I've have I will always love you. The Dolly Parton version just in front of me. The Wikipedia page is open. Guess how many people are credited as instrumentalists? Not not voc non vocalist instrumentalists on that song. I don't know. Twelve people. That's a big old band. That's if you include Dolly Parton playing guitar. Uh, and then there's. Um. Dolly Parton on vocals and four background vocalists. Well, I have a sound sample of that that we can listen to in a little bit, and 
I definitely like the instrumentation more right. than the Whitney Houston touring band. Yes. Oh, yeah. The For some reason, Whitney wanted her touring band to play on Whitney's version rather than her studio band or something. I don't know. There's something about that on the Wikipedia. Yeah, um, I think it was actually Kevin insisted that it, her touring band did it instead of it being a studio band, which I kind of like. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a question. Are we going to talk about any of the non-Whitney songs? We should talk about... I mean, maybe we should at least play the theme from The Bodyguard. I guess so. It's totally instrumental. Yeah. This is so Miyazaki. This just sounds like Nausicaa to me. A little bit. Uh, yeah. There's something about it that's not quite Joe Hisaishi, who is the uh, composer that is does most of uh, most of the uh, Studio Ghibli movies. I, I I listen to the Spirited Away soundtrack all the time. That's such a good soundtrack. Uh yeah, they're all very very good. Yeah. A lot of them are kind of samey, though. I don't know. He has a very well, yeah. He has a very particular sound that Joe Hisaishi because it's good. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, true. I think there's some really different stuff in Porco Rosso. Yeah, I think you're right because yeah. there's a lot of like early jazz influence in it, right? And lounge lounge music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's maintains the my favorite Miyazaki <laughs> movie. Uh huh. Um, I think the Spotify version of this soundtrack does not have the Kenny G song, right? Waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, here's a funny little coincidence. My mom just brought the last three boxes of my possessions that were at her home uh, the this week, like a couple of days ago, and one of the boxes was a huge box of sheet music, like a prohibitively heavy box huge cardboard box full of mm-hmm. sheet music books and, and now you're gonna uh, confess that it's all kenny g no but there was that song like a piano sheet music Whoa. version of that song in there Whoa. i never played it as a kid the, so ostensibly i somehow you. inherited it from uh my mom i guess yeah. <laughs> which from i don't know um let's see let's see if i can even find it on spotify <clears throat> um yeah, there's so much saxophone on this record. Kenny G, by the way, seems like he would be a perfect option for uh, Think Outside the Box set. Except, does he write songs or sing or have lyrics? No. So, I don't know what I would do. I, I'd just be sitting here holding part. my dick. <laughs> I mean, I usually do that, but I'm also flapping my gums and talking at the same time. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I yeah, I mean... I don't know if there's substance to his music or not. Um, he's an incredible musician who, like, is just sort of a workhorse. He's using music as a craft instead of as an art. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Uh, what does the G but, stand uh, for? G-spot? Kenneth Kenneth G-spot? <laughs> it's the note G. Oh. It's his favorite note. <laughs> it's, the, it's the last note. There's no, a, there's no H note, right? There is an H note. Well, there is in some earlier systems of music notation, but not no more. It's true. Yeah. That, I, I think that only existed so that Bach could write his name in his own music. Basically, that's <laughs> what I hear. Yeah, he has, Kenny G has 15 studio albums. Ooh, boy. Do you want to talk about Kenny G for a 
a very long time not at all <laughs> i think my my parents had his holiday album and they did not like to play it i think it, they were it was given to them and they were like let's not <laughs> shall we not uh yeah there's i'm looking up one of his albums right now he had tony braxton sing on one song but right. that's it there's like no main vocalist I, I, I couldn't possibly talk about Kenny G for 15 albums. Fair enough. I accept. <laughs> Maybe uh, we could do a little palate cleanser where we look at one Kenny G album and I can just okay. be just make cracking yucks and making jokes without having to look at lyrics. Um, should we listen to I'm Every Woman? Yes. Apparently it's a cover of a Chaka I Am Khan. Legion. Yeah. So this is not written by Chaka Khan, but it was uh, written for Chaka Khan uh, back in the day. Yeah, there's an interview uh, with Kevin Smith where he was talking to Prince, who was saying that Chaka Khan wasn't uh, crazy about Whitney Houston covering the song. Yeah, he's just being a territorial. This just seems like Kevin Smith just spreading gossip. That's like third hand at that point. Well, I don't know if it's... I mean, yes, maybe. But, you know, Kevin Smith, like was making a Prince documentary. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So yeah, he got to hang out with Prince a bunch. There's like, I think that video is like a 30 minute long video of him just basically doing like a storytelling stand-up routine about the time when he got hired to make a Prince documentary. Oh, I see. It's really entertaining. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm every woman. It's all in me. Anything you want done, baby, I do it naturally. So this is a a fetish song about role-playing and how skilled this person is at role-playing, but only when it comes to women. I I don't think this person um, is able to role-play as a man or a a non-gender binary conforming individual, but still. I I don't think you're reading it right because that would be I'm any woman. But she's saying I'm every woman. Oh, like she's a she's split or something. Oh, yeah. So James McAvoy was the male Jeez, split. Tummies. Who would be the female split? Uh, Shaka Khan. That's a joke answer. I want a real answer. Who's the real split? Who's the Who's the female split? The female split. Yeah. I mean, James McAvoy actually does a really good job as as the hit character, breakout character split. Um, That's what I've heard. I've heard he's actually really great. He's he's very good at that. And the the movie called Split is actually fairly decent. It's just glass that's a piece of garbage. Oh, I haven't seen that. Don't. I've heard that it's, I heard, I've heard to not watch it. Yes. I think the, the female version of Split would be would be well served by beloved uh, character actress Margot Martindale. I don't know that. Oh, person. She's a character actress. So she's everyone. Margot Martindale. She was in The Americans, she was in Walk Hard the Dewey Cox story, she was in BoJack Horseman. Hmm. I know of all of these things, but I oh, haven't she was in The Rocketeer. Any of them. I saw I was rewatching The Rocketeer recently and I was like, that's Margot Mart that's beloved character actress Margot Martindale. Or should I say, huh. beloved character actress and fugitive from the law, Margot Martindale. 
uh is she did did she get canceled did she do something <laughs> no that's just a, it's a bit from bojack horseman okay <laughs> and every time uh, they talk about her they talk, they say it's beloved character actress margot martindale and then they just keep adding things to it as stuff happens to her and at one point <laughs> she like shoots up a bank or something and so they start calling her beloved character actress and fugitive from the law margot martindale wow so she's playing herself huh yeah pretty funny i like that <laughs> that show can be pretty good i kind of lost interest um in some of the later seasons uh so she says oh i can sense your needs like rain onto the seeds i can make a rhyme huh. of confusion in your mind and when it what? comes to down to some good old-fashioned love i got it i got it i got it i got it baby baby so basically she's like i have vague supernatural powers uh-huh. and i fuck <laughs> <laughs> i have vague supernatural powers and i fuck and i vote <laughs> uh i only have one sand sample from this and uh it's just uh, a real a real journey it goes from sort of r&b ballad to funk to sonic the hedgehog to disco oh boy i can't wait so let's take a listen Sonic. <laughs> and there's the disco. Holy shit. Oh my okay, God. so it wasn't really funk. It was more just early hip hop. Yeah. Um, but still, the juxtaposition of all this. It's like, whoa, whoa, hey. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to take a listen to the original from Chaka Khan real quick? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is a way better version. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Even over Skype? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that that version uh, slaps. It's a real blapper. <laughs> it's a slapper blapper. This is a blapper. <laughs> yeah. Well, sh- should we finish out with uh, the inevitable I Will Always Love You breakdown? Yeah. I mean, are we just skipping all the boring songs? I, I don't have anything. I mean, we could just take a quick tour through some of them. I think maybe Queen of the Night might be fun to talk about. Yeah, all right. This is what played over the closing credits of the movie, The Bodyguard. Oh, 
That's that's weird because it sounds like a song that was written for a movie about a pop star, so that they had something to sing. Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she might have sung it also during the movie, like in her club scenes or like the performing scenes or something. But yeah, yeah, it kind of does sound like um, generic music written for a movie in order for a character to perform. That's that's funny. Mm-hmm. It does sound like that. Um, I've got the stuff that you want. I've got the thing that you need. I've got more than enough to make you drop to your knees because I'm the queen of the night, the queen of the night. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Don't make no difference if I'm wrong or I'm right. I've got the feeling and I'm willing tonight. What? Well, ain't nobody's angel. What can I say? (laughs) Well, I'm just that way. Hey, a, uh, I've almost got all of the, all of the unique lines in this song. You've got a problem with the way I am. They say I'm trouble and I don't give a damn. Oh, she swore. But when I'm bad, I know I'm better. I just want to get loose and turn it up for you, baby. Ah, these lyrics are so cocaine-y. They say nothing. And yet all they do is project cocaine attitude. Yeah. It's very sexual. Oh, yeah. Go down on your knees. And blow me in parentheses one last kiss. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> yeah i guess we don't have much to say about this song should we let we let's listen to at least one song from the second half just so we our listeners can know yeah. how boring and generic it all is um what do you think of those songs what do you think we should uh uh even if my heart would break by kenny g and aaron neville yes but what i'm feeling is summer in my heart so what was that you were saying about unusual singers yeah i mean i definitely listened to the word more words more yeah uh he <laughs> this is a really weird song it's so hypothetical yeah yeah, it's faux hypothetical. <laughs> yes, it's it's a uh, it's a song about seeing someone, a stranger, and constructing an entire psychotic, bonkers like uh, <laughs> infatuation with that person. It's like you haven't even met them; you're yeah. just looking at them. <sighs> would it be suspicious if I asked your name? Yes, yes it would, because of the weird, like hungering, slavering way. Is it too familiar to say I love you? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. It is. Oh, it's it's like the uh, it's like the inverse of the law of headlines. I forget it's named after somebody, but it's the law of headlines where if a headline has a question in it, it can always be answered with no. So the new the law of uh, Neville's yeah. law is if <laughs> Neville asks you a question in a song, it can always be answered with yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. I've been around this world. I've been a lot of places, seen a million faces in a thousand times. But when I looked into your eyes, I knew I found heaven and I've been wanting to tell you, I never want to let you go just through eye contact. This is so fucking creepy and stalkery. Yep. Oh boy. There's an interesting line in this song though. He says, it may be winter in Eden, but what I'm feeling is summer in my heart. So the second half of that is, you know, cliche to boring, but winter in Eden is like, kind of an interesting thought little phrase that i never thought of hmm. you know hmm. yeah it's a, it's a fun image i like that um i don't know like what it's supposed Winter to mean in, in this context 
Me neither. And it probably is not actually, does not actually like fit with the song necessarily. It doesn't like, I mean, there's no other references to Eden or, I mean, I guess he said I found heaven, but yeah, it, it's, it's kind of a non sequitur, but I like that image. Yep. So pretty weird bonkers song. It sounds cold if you're naked in Eden and it's winter time. It is. Although, you know, Eden was before sin went into the world. So maybe cold is part is sin. It's, it's a sin to be cold and it's hip to be square. <laughs> so it was cold, but because they weren't sitting, they weren't cold. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was snowing, but it uh, wasn't that's cold. Powerful. Can you imagine playing in the snow naked? Unashamed. I don't have to imagine uncold. it. I do it every winter. <laughs> you should see the neighbors. They're not big fans of it. All right, should we just move on to the uh, the only song that matters? And I... We both know I'm not what you, you need. She will always love you. Me. You, Cameron, Whitney, even from beyond the grave, yeah. she will love you. I always, I always, wait, is she dead? Yeah, she died in like 2012, dude. Huh. Yeah, it was sad. I don't, I, I don't remember that. Why did she die? It was like a combination of drugs and a heart problem. No, I mean like, why does anybody die? Oh. I'm having an <laughs> existential sin. crisis. Cameron, it's sin. You get cold, and then your soul gets cold, cold. and then it goes right to hell, where it's not cold anymore. Uh, hmm, I took a bunch of very vague audio samples. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You have the Dolly Parton one we could listen to. Well, let's listen to that. Yeah. Apparently, whoa, Dolly Parton wrote this song about her former partner and manager, Porter Wagoner, as they were ending their professional relationship. I did not know that. Uh, were they, like, wow. romantically involved? Or is this a platonic love song? I will always love you professionally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. She was married to this other dude, and then she had to like go out on the road with this Porter Wagoner guy all the time. And I think it was kind of a strain maybe. I don't know. She's been married to him since uh, 1966. Wow. Wow. I can't believe she came out with an album two years ago. Right? She's so old. She's how old is she? She's 73. (whistles) Yep. Mm hmm. All right. Uh, So that's interesting. She wrote it about her manager and, appears to be a platonic or non-romantic love song um if i should stay and then whitney sang it for me yeah whitney sang it for cameron if i should stay i would only be in your way so i'll go but i know i'll think of you every step of the way 
uh, bittersweet memories. That is all I'm taking with me. So goodbye. Please don't cry. We both know I'm not what you you need. Yeah. I hope life treats you. Yeah, kind. the words are really the words are really simple, yeah. but they're pretty poignant. Yeah. Like the word the words we both know I'm not what you need. Yes. That is interesting. Pretty pretty good, simple pop songwriting. Yeah. And of course, like I mean it's yeah, this song is not made on the lyrics. It's made on the music and the delivery. Yeah. But yeah, it's such a good song. Um I wonder I might prefer Dolly's version. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Is that is that heretical to say? I Yes, but I feel the same I way. do love Whitney. She died like not long after I found a record of hers at a thrift store and bought it. And I was like, oh no, it's a cursed record store. <laughs> and then I never bought another record there, except Prince, of course. But he's doing fine. He's okay. Uh hate to break it to you. What? No, no, don't don't <laughs> what? Is Prince is Prince in trouble? <laughs> is he not is he is uh, is he okay? Well at least Bowie will never die. <laughs> yeah. At least that Bowie record I know will uh I mean he's he's immortal. He can't die. Oh boy. Um yeah, it's it was her first self titled album, Whitney Houston album from nineteen eighty five. That was the one I found. Yeah. Great album. Yeah. So you've got a few sound samples you want to talk about, right? You're a sucker for this kind of key change. This is great because no one blah or the high note. <laughs> this is great because no one expects Let's it. Let's hear the high okay. note first. Yeah. Yeah, she got some pipes. It's not actually, it's not that high pitch wise, mm-hmm. but it's very, very powerful. Yeah. Her projection on it is, like you said, like no one really sings that loud anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there's some sort of keyboard part that I think you probably would think was cheesy, but I kind of like. Yeah, let's get into it. So there were those chimes you heard. Um, yeah. I liked what the keyboard was playing. I just like... I think I have a lot of baggage for that specific kind of keyboard sound. Well, I don't know. I think there's like something about early 90s like gospel inflected music that is a little bit triggering for me. Yeah. Hmm. I think it might bring back bad memories of various church things or functions or something, which is weird because the kind of church, the church I went to, the, my parents went to, um, did not play that kind of music. They were extremely, um, what's the word? Uh, cool. No, no. Um, um, elitist. Yeah. They would only have piano ah. and a viola. That was it. Piano and viola. Fine, I guess. It's fine, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know why, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. I have some, feel like I have a little bit of baggage for this sound. Two musicians at that church. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You also have a sound sample that says, this is uh, great because no one expects it. Yeah, and I don't know what it is. So I guess I'm included in no one. So and Maybe it's the Spanish Inquisition. Cued up. I wish you love. 
Oh, it's a key change. And yeah. That drum hit and then pow. So that's a take it up key change. It does go up a whole step, but I think if you didn't know it was coming, it would be pretty survive uh, surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And couple with her like voice, which is so powerful. It's like you want to hear her sing higher and higher. Mm-hmm. So I'll give that one a pass. I guess I can allow it. A well-earned cliche. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a reason it's a cliche. It can work. It can work real good. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anything else to say about this album? Well, maybe we should just... Uh, I'm going to drop in the Discord to you uh, a little video of Dolly Parton talking about Whitney Houston. Oh. Because I think that might be interesting. Okay. And then we can play it live on air? Yeah. Gotcha. Do you remember where you were... The first time you heard Whitney Houston's version of it? Yes. I like to wreck and kill myself. Really? I, th- seriously, I had, uh, I had had word from uh, Kevin Costner when they were doing that. His secretary had called and said they, they wanted a copy of that song. And so I sent it. And that's the last I'd heard of it. And so I was driving from my office down on 16th Avenue on Music Row. I was driving to my house in Brentwood, and uh, that's when I was still driving by myself without <laughs> worrying about it. And uh, so I had the radio on as usual, and I was—I just heard this voice when she did the acapella, you know, like "If I Should Stay." And, I, and, and you know, it's like a dog that hears its name or something. I thought, what <laughs> is that? It, is, it didn't register on me, what, it, but it was so familiar. And I thought, what is that? And then she kept saying, and it was still—I knew. I knew it was something, but it, it didn't register. I thought, what is that? I know what that is. And then all of a sudden, she starts into that, and when she goes into the I will always love you part, honest to goodness, <laughs> I almost... I love that she's self I had to pull over, because I was afraid, because I was so caught up in that by then, right. uh, that I had to pull over and listen to it. But it was the most overwhelming feeling that that little song of mine could be done so beautifully, so big, so overwhelming yeah. that it really almost just had a heart attack right there wow. on the spot. So I, I'll I'm never so, forget it. I'm so amazed that they hadn't sent it to you yeah. first. No, and they said, did not. That's a good this point. Is- they did not. They had asked for the song, and I guess they assumed I knew they was doing it. Right. But I did not know it until I heard it on the radio, and it just about killed me. And it's still one of the the proudest moments mm, in my life. That's really. nice. Yeah, that is nice. What did she... What did she censor herself to she say? She said, uh, honest to goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a pretty great anecdote. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anything to say before we wrap it up? Uh, well, I just want to like put out a little disclaimer for next week's episode that um, uh, we're starting Bob Marley. Uh, it's going to be a long season. It's going to be great because Bob Marley's great so far. We've listened to one album, uh, and they cover Burt Bacharach's uh, "What's New, Pussycat," and we don't mention it at all. And that's really weird that we don't. So I just want to <laughs> say right now what? that on Bob Marley's first album, he sings "What's New, Pussycat." Why do you think that's so weird to uh, not mention? And it feels notable. <laughs> why and we totally passed right on by why is that notable it's i don't know it feels like the definition is in the question you know what i mean like i don't what? <laughs> like the answer is uh it's what's new pussycat yeah bob marley sings uh-huh. it it's a burt Bacharach song yeah 
Huh. Oh, do you know um, that was song was written for a movie called uh, What's New Pussycat? Yeah. Which apparently was written by Woody Allen. <laughs> Why is Bob Marley singing it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of... Uh, there's a, <laughs> anyway, tune in for that. <laughs> there's a bunch of songs on this album we didn't even mention. Like, they do a they do a cover of What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. We didn't mention that. It's yeah, not a Burt Bacharach tune, that's though. That's true. Anyway. Um, until next week, where we talk about Bob Marley's first album, you can visit us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at boxset.website or just go on our Discord. Go to iTunes, smash subscribe, smash like, smash those um, star ratings, smash everything. If you like the way Cameron talks about music... You'll love his other podcast. It's called Get Up in the Cool. He does a lot less theory-splaining on that one, but a lot more talking to musicians. And it's usually about uh, old fiddle and banjo-style uh, Appalachian old-time music. I thought you were going to say, and it's usually great. <laughs> I would never say that, Cameron. I can't lie to our listeners. Uh. <laughs> Burn. Gotcha. Uh, well until next week i can't tell which way you're relying (laughs) until next week i'm nathan hunt and i have vague supernatural powers and i fuck and i vote and i'm cameron dewitt and i'm the sexiest goat I've seen a lot of sexy goats out there. They're even sexier than sheep. Meh. <laughs>